To you it's just a game, for me it's all I know I make them remember my name before I have to go Losing, I can't fathom, that's a champion's passion Confidence never lacking, drop the beat, let's attack them They be checking for the content, you tired of that nonsense No gimmicks, break limits, quality is I promise This is more than a show, this is a way of life Cause the game as it grows, takes us to higher heights Check the stats before you check me And don't tell me who the greatest if you don't know the history Robert Ramon and Carlos the new big three and if the pins ain't from them don't bring them to me because i go off like a rocket launcher man i just ain't the beat i'm a real monster i can hear the crowd chanting mvp that's my mantra here's a standing on for the opinionated bench warmers Welcome to the Opinionated Benchwarmers podcast, episode 85. The Opinionated Benchwarmers are back for another edition of the podcast. The fellas are back. The crew is here. We got Carlos in here with us. As always, we got Ramon with us. And the voice you're hearing right now is Rob. What's up, fellas? How y'all feeling, man? Y'all want to get kicked off? Yeah, let's kick it off, man. It's been a crazy last week with the weather. And, you know, I'm just ready to get back and get going. Let's do it. Yeah, same here, man. You know, we had that little time off, but I'm ready to get into it. We got a lot going on in the sports scene as usual, so no need to delay. Might as well get the listeners what they're looking for and what they're ready to listen to. For sure, for sure. First off, we want to say, as always, thank you to all our listeners and followers. Please continue to subscribe to our platform on wherever you love to listen to your podcast on, whether that be Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, any of those platforms that you love to listen to us, please just make sure that you're subscribed Leave a review. Let us know how you feel about the podcast. Of course, if it's positive as well, make sure that you're following us on old underscore Benchwarmers on Instagram and Twitter. That will keep you locked in on any content that we have. We dropped the MVP ladder, the first of many MVP ladders to come throughout the NBA season, if you're interested in that. Also, we dropped the player of the week right now. Uh, we into the NBA rankings right now. We just got a bunch of content on our Instagram that's flowing right now. So make sure that you're tapped in. That will be also the platform that you'll find when we release our merchandise, which we've been promising for a couple episodes now. That time is coming real soon. So be on the lookout for that as well. Fellas, we, we're not going to waste anybody's time. We're going to get right into it. Uh, we mentioned the MVP ladder. Uh, I guess the MVP MVP is is th- that race is kind of heating up now. We've seen storyline to storyline from week to week in the NBA. I think that this is one of the more exciting seasons that we've seen. A lot of unanswered questions deep into the season. Here we are coming up on All Star Weekend, which we'll get into. But then again, you just think about the MVP and and the story and and the storylines that MVP moment right now. And we released that on our Instagram. I just wanted to discuss it a little bit, our reasoning of ranking those players the way that we rank them. And a, a, a little feedback that we've gotten so far is Donovan Mitchell being at five, being that he's on the number one team in the Western Conference. Uh, they've been flaming, the Jazz has. They've been concentrated. This is the best we've seen them in the past three years since this core has been formulated. Um, I mean, guys, speak on it. I mean, what do you think that our NBA rankings – against up up until any any up against any ladder that's out there right now what how do you justify Donovan Mitchell being at five right now 
Yeah, I think it's a, a good spot to have him right now. You know, it's uh, still early in the season, but the team has been doing well, as you mentioned. And, you know, he is the best team on the best record in the toughest conference, you know, uh, um, being in the West Western Conference, you know, and their team has been playing well, and he's the best player on that team. So, you know, I have no argument with it. You know, I like it. You know, I know some argument about maybe Steph, you know, because their team is performing better than expected with injuries and things they had surrounding that team. But, you know, looking at it now, you know, I feel comfortable with him at five. You know, some probably argue him being even higher than that. Right. Um, and even on that piece of him being higher than that, what I would say is to me, don't get me wrong, his stats are solid stats. They're good stats. But statistically, you have other guys who are, to me, having better individual seasons um, from a statistical perspective. So, you know, when you look at the numbers that, you know, your LeBrons are putting up, your Embiid's are putting up, Dame's putting up, I believe that those numbers are a little bit more significant right now. So I believe that, like Los was saying, this is a good spot for him now. This is not to say that he can't rise in the rankings. If we're looking at the end of the season and the Jazz are still sitting at tops in the league, that's going to only increase his case as the year goes on. But I believe for right now, this is kind of the right spot for him. Yeah, I'll just speak to that a little bit. It's just, I think he has the best chance to, and I say best chance, I say, because you really, the MVP ladder, we look at it from the previous years, when a player wins it, you know, it's like, hey, they're either consistent all year, or they kind of like become that storyline towards the end, they the best record, best player on the best team type of thing, you know, and so, um, you know, it's almost sometimes in a player's is a player's not in a good position if they're the favorite early on. Then the league is watching them like, okay, was that an MVP performance? Oh no, blah blah blah. They're they're looking for the next best thing. They're you know that's just how we're programmed as fans watching the game, and I'm I'm sure the voters as well when they're looking at this. You know, you don't want to start off as that favorite. You know, and, you know, obviously players, LeBron is kind of – he was started off as that favorite. You know, if you look at our IG and see our ladder, he slipped. He's no longer that favorite, you know, since AD went down and they're kind of slipping in the losses and things like that for the Lakers. But, you know, it's just one of those things, storylines, you got to watch and see how it plays out because if it plays out that the Jazz keeps staying red hot, he's going to definitely rise up. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's interesting uh, in our rankings is that Damian Lillard is at three. And I think that we got a lot of blowback for that uh, with Damian, not necessarily being on a Western Conference team that you would feel is 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 good. I mean, for for the casual fan, of course. But when you look at what Dame has been able to do without C.J. McCollum, who was on pace of having a, a a most improved player type season. I mean, there's Jeremy Grant out there putting up numbers. I think is a, is a favorite. Uh, of course, Christian Wood before he went down, but C.J. McCollum was right there, and I think that it. I think that with with C.J. McCollum going down, when you look at what Dame has been able to do uh, in leading the Blazers, uh, averaging twenty six points, nearly twenty seven points, uh, and five assists. Uh, I mean, that's pretty quite. That's that's quite remarkable there uh, for him. But I mean, with it with, without his running mate, you know, and. I mean, he's been able to keep the the Blazers on pace uh, to 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 um, be competitive, and uh, without Nurkic uh, there, and Nurkic is on his way, nursing his way back. So, I mean, I think that uh, Dame, I think it's very sneaky that Dame is is right there at three. 
right yeah, there. You actually shortchanged Dame a little bit. He's actually averaging 29.8, so pretty much 30 points a game mm. and almost eight assists. Wow. Uh, so when you look at those type of numbers, and like you said, when you mentioned the injuries, it hasn't just been CJ that has gone down. When you look at the plethora of injuries that they've dealt with and to still be in contention, you know, in that Western Conference, I know they sit at the five seed right now, but to still be in contention to have, you know, potentially home court, you know, he's having one of the best seasons that we're seeing out of anybody out there. Yeah, and and I mean, to be fifth in the West right now, I mean, they, they have some some hills to climb. Uh, I mean, I, I guess that kind of wraps up the MVP talk. I, I mean, I, I don't want to skimp over MB in the, in the type of year that he's having. I think that the criticism that he's received from Shaq and Chuck and inside uh, on inside the NBA, it, it, shout out to those guys over there. But it, it seems like he's really taking heart to playing in the post. I think we've seen him play in the post and maneuver in the post more this year. I don't have the numbers on that, but it, it appears to me from the eye test. I watch a lot of their games that he has been operating out of the post as a threat to score more so than any other the past years. Cause last year he found himself on a perimeter a lot, but I mean, he's really putting together a, a great season. I think one of his best that I've ever seen him play. And he just really kind of shows how dominant he can be when he does decide to play inside out as opposed to outside in. Yep. And, and honestly too, with what he's doing statistically, you don't see bigs too often putting up 30 points per game. Um, and to see him being among the league leaders uh, as it relates to, you know, his, his average, you know, in points per game, still being a double-double guy and averaging, you know, over 11 rebounds. And, of course, being efficient with, you know, the 54% from the field. And that being, you know, not just him scoring exclusively in the paint, just like you mentioned, he is in the paint more, but we know that his game is versatile. So when he's a big that's playing in a versatile manner and still is being efficient, um, you have to acknowledge what he's doing and, and how he's leading that team to be at the top of the East right now. So, Yeah, so I think that shifts the, shifts the conversation, uh, ironically. Uh, people hitting the panic button right now. LeBron is on the – is uh is nearly on the top. Uh, he's number two on our MVP rankings, and we're in a situation where the Lakers have lost AD. We've gotten reports that AD will be out for a month. Uh, we also have Schroeder, who's really game the game. Honestly, we're trying to wait and see when he'll be back, but it seems like every tip off, we're getting reports that he won't be playing that specific game. Uh, we've seen ourselves in a slump. I mean, it's no a uh, real secret to the listeners that we are Lakers fans, part of the reason why we came together as sports fans. But, you know, it's kind of like we've hit um, a, a, kind of like a slump since AD's been out. And uh, even more so last night, we saw ourselves lose an overtime, a very close overtime game to the Wizards, who's a poor defensive team historically this season. And not only that, but we were up 17. We were dominating the game from – front to back and it seems like we allowed the Wizards to battle their way back uh I think one thing to us is uh, the missing piece is Schroeder to me because I know Schroeder is a guy that can go off of 40 points uh he's a guy that's efficient uh he's also a guy that can you know take over games which he proved in the bubble with OKC is that a lot of times he was their leading scorer in the playoffs and was a big huge part of their playoff run so we know what he's capable of but he's not healthy, and 
I think that LeBron is really missing that secondary score, uh, that playmaker, that defender, you know, that person that run who Rondo was for us last year was somebody that could take the ball up the court and take that pressure off LeBron being point guard. And, you know, we've seen Schroeder and AD out, and it just seems like we're in a slump. So I think that my question to us, I guess as Lakers fans, I think that we're a different type of Lakers fan. We're we're the objective Lakers fans. But for the casual Laker fan that's out there listening, is it time to hit the panic button or not? No, I wouldn't say it's time to hit the panic button. I think right now you look at the team – Losing AD was huge. We understood that, and we know that if we get into the playoffs with a healthy AD and a full squad, that we're fine. You know, but I think the huge blow after losing AD, as you mentioned, is Schroeder. You know, missing him in this situation has been huge for our team because, one, he takes off some of that load of LeBron and his playmaking ability. You know, he can handle the ball and make plays for the team, and LeBron can rest and be ready for that fourth quarter. You know, since AD has went out, I think LeBron is like top five in minutes. So he has not had the energy, you know, to do the things that he needs to do when it comes to the end of the game because he's playing more minutes than he's used to. You know, I know he's going to downplay the minutes and how many minutes he's played, but we have to realize LeBron is still a 36-year-old player out there pretty much doing everything, rebounding, assisting, and scoring the ball, you know, for four quarters and barely getting rest because the team gets really stagnant once he leaves the floor. So I think once Schroeder comes back, you know, this team, you know, we're going to get back into the groove of thing. Maybe not be the most dominant team, but we'll be able to beat the teams like the Wizards. We'll be able to compete with teams like, you know, unfortunately he would miss the game, the Brooklyn Nets, things like that, where it wouldn't be such a feel like a blowout, like we never had a chance. We'll be able to compete with those teams because one, Schroeder is a defensive player that locks up that point guard. And he, like, you know, LeBron nicknamed him Dennis the Menace he really gives those other point guards problems and wear those point guards down, you know, and then they'll save LeBron for the fourth quarter with his playmaking ability. So, again, I'm not too worried right now. And the Lakers, I'm sure they're not worried right now. You know, as we've seen, you know, this last night after the loss, they released Quinn Cook. They're going to be into the buyout market right now. So we're going to make some moves. We know moves is coming, you know, as far as supplementing for uh, AD as he's out, I think we're going to go out and get some type of big. You know, we need Lint right now. We lack in Lint, you know, and when Schroeder get back, we have a second playmaker. Um, I think the Lakers are going to be fine, you know, and this year, like last year in the bubble, seating doesn't necessarily matter because there's not going to be fans in the stands or anything like that. There's no real advantage to it. So they're just trying to make sure that they've wanted those top seven seeds to get into the playoffs. Yeah. I essentially agree with uh, basically everything y'all shared into this point uh, with the Schroeder situation, just in case the listeners don't totally know, it's really been more so of COVID protocols with him. Uh, he has tested negative, but the league, you know, there's a mandatory quarantine that's had to take place. And so he will be coming back in about one or two games from now, basically. Uh, so he'll be back pretty soon and you will see an uptick in the Lakers offensively and defensively from all the things that y'all mentioned one thing that you really notice schematically, you know, from the Lakers is really you're missing, you know, your rim protector in AD. They don't have any rim protection at this point anymore. And then when you have a guy in Schroeder, that's really your best perimeter ball pressure guard, you know, either he or Caruso, however you want to uh, label those two guys, you miss a lot defensively. But what that has caused is really for the Lakers to really be missing three 
basic defenders because right now the load that LeBron is shouldering offensively, he's not really playing defense at that same level that he was before. And so you'll see that things will get better once Schroeder, like you mentioned, uh, gets back into the fold and once they make a move out there. But there's no reason long-term to press a panic button. Uh, right now, things just look worse because AD and Schroeder happen to go out at the same time. Had those things happened at separate times, you would not see this product that you're seeing at this point. So once Schroeder comes back, things will get back to a better place. And um, honestly, there's no panic button to be pressed. Man, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's no reason to hit the panic button. I, I'm i not inclined to hit the panic button until I see Schroeder get back in the lineup, like we all mentioned. I think we all collectively could agree with our sentiments, how important Schroeder was as an addition, as far as depth, as far as a playmaker, as far as a defender, and just somebody to take pressure off LeBron. But I think something that's not being spoken about is Kuzma. Let's talk about him. You know, uh, I think Kuzma showed some great things his rookie season. I, I get, you know, we all could agree. His second year, he was on a bad team. And I think he, he averaged close to 20 points uh, that year. Maybe 19, maybe shy. Maybe 18.7. 18, 18, yeah. And, you know, at this point, I mean, I think that even last year was spoken about with us in our championship run was AD, you know, and LeBron, of course. But then it was like, okay, it's time for Kuz to be that third guy. If Kuz can be that third guy, then we are unstoppable. And he does some great things for us, but it seems like he's inconsistent and he's up and down a lot. And I think it's not to come down on him hard because it's it's hard to find a role when you're uh, playing with probably some of the best all-time great players in your development because Kuzma may become a great player, you know, because he's talented, but – you know, just to play with LeBron, who's the first Battle of the Hall of Famer, who we presume AD would be a first-time Hall of first Battle Hall of Famer as well. It's hard to find your role, and I think that what we find with Kuzma in this run is that with AD down, we expect him to maybe. Hey, look, a lot of people are saying, "Hey, look, you know, now's your time. You're getting more shots. You're going to be able to get more shots. You know, we need you to at least average 20 points in this span." And so far, we've seen him average maybe a double-double, which is not bad. Maybe he'll get you 14 points, 10 rebounds plus. But we hadn't seen him as a scorer, you know, or put his mark on the team or the game or affect the game. Um, I'm going to ask you guys personally as fans and, you know, us as, as, as novice to sports, do you feel like – do you feel like this is who Kuz is? Do you feel like he's met his ceiling yet, or do you feel like he has room to improve? Because we're seeing in this situation now, he has the opportunity to really show what he can do because we need him to do it. But it's like pulling teeth. It's like he's not doing it. Uh, I, I guess jumping into it, honestly, um, I haven't felt quite the same way that you felt about Kuz in this stretch. Honestly, for me, I don't think that – his play has been that bad since AD has gone down. Now, I do agree that I don't think that Kuz, I don't see him as a star in this league, as someone that's going to make an all-star team or anything like that. I think he's an upper echelon role player. I don't think he is a guy that you look to be definitely not your second piece on a championship team, probably not your third piece, 
uh, but he's a guy that's a very important role player. And to me in this year, what I will say about Kuz is that he hasn't, in the past, we've looked for him to say, okay, like you said, AD goes down, Kuz comes in, he's going to give us 25. Kuz has, has found a way to me to round out his game more. He's impacting the game on the boards more. He's being a better defender, being able to switch and guard several different positions. You know, offensively, he might not give it to you every single night, but honestly, since AD has gone down, he's really had one bad game that was really a blowout for the team that nobody's numbers looked crazy. Even Schroeder's numbers didn't look crazy in that Minnesota win. But in the Denver game, when AD went down, that's 19 points. Brooklyn, we know how that game went. And once it got to really the second half or third quarter, things were out of whack with that. But 16, 23 against Miami, you know, 14 and 11, the last game we played. So I think that honestly, when you consider that he's still having to, you're still having to see touches go to Montrez Harrell, you're still seeing, you know, Markeith Morris being worked in, all these other kind of guys. I think that honestly, he's been solid in who he should be, you know, for the team. I just don't envision him being, you know, that all-star caliber Definitely not superstar caliber, but as far as a high-end role player, I feel that he's given that, you know, at this point. So I, know, I guess maybe I will I say I agree him. with you, but it just with our conversations that we had collectively, he was directly compared to Jason Tatum at one point. And Ramon, I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember at one point, you know, this was early. You know, it's not like Jason like last year and this year, he wasn't – Jason Tatum wasn't who he was, right, that he is right now in this play last year. But it was one point where he was comparing Kuzma to Tatum, including me, and it was kind of close as far as trajectory, who was better, you know, at one point. So I, I think – you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm I'm just – you know, I'm just formulating, is it yeah. time for us to – you know, like I agree with everything you said. Is it time for us to just hate – Kuzma is just a role player. His selling is to be an upper echelon important piece to a championship team, but not necessarily that second or third guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I think we need to temper our expectations with Kuzma. You know, I think, you know, Kuzma came out as out of nowhere. He had no expectations, right? He was a late round, mm -hmm. first round pick. You know, he didn't have the expectations of, expectations of a Jason Tatum who went in the top five you know and so when Kuzma kind of came out of nowhere he was at score at first he was like whoa we got still at the end of the first round and so now we have to realize that Kuzma also wasn't like a Jason Tatum Kuzma did four years at his school he was an older guy already coming into the league you know Jason Tatum was a one and done type of guy so we got to look at that as far as ceilings and stuff like that when you know comparing the two but again, Tatum is, you know, reason he went top five is the better player right now, you know, and Kuzma is what he is right now, and he's great within his role. But like Ramon mentioned, you know, we cannot expect Kuzma, you know, I think we expect the Kuzma to be this 20 to 30 point guy consistently, you know, maybe not every night, but every other night, which he won't be that, not on a LeBron-led team or an AD on the team, you know, now that he has more opportunity, yeah, he's doing everything. And he's, like Ramon mentioned, he's rounding out his game more. But he, as far as scoring like that, 
I think we got to temper our expectations because he's not going to be that guy. He's not he, – he's just – again, he has been great in his role. He showed up defensively now. I think we I'll give him some respect in that aspect is he has showed up defensively, his rebound, and he's and he's blocking shots. You know, he's he's really not hitting shots off the backboard now. So I re, from that standpoint, he's been great for the Lakers in his role. And I think he got that extension right the the, the nice type of extension at the type of player that he is. You know, I think it was like thirteen mil a year or something like that. You know, nothing crazy or whatever. But I think he, he that's a perfect extension, was a good extension for a young player you know, for him and what he's done for us. Yeah. And I think just to add on to that, I think part of the fool's gold with Kuz early in his career, looking at his rookie year, especially and that second year is honestly on a bad team. Somebody got to get the buckets, you know, anyway. And so uh, really on that team at that point, you know, somebody had to score the rock and he was able to do it. But as you see, when, you know, certain players go to, winning situations or go to upper echelon teams, you know, that's when you see the true separation of the guys that are role players versus the guys that are stars. And, um, you know, over time, like you said, rookie year, we did have that debate between uh, Tatum and Kuz. And when you looked at them at that present time, you know, in hindsight, I know it is great. When you looked at them at that present time, it was a legit debate, but Tatum has grown leaps and bounds and, is definitely a superstar in this league and will probably be an MVP at hey, some point in this hey, league. I so, will say this. I admitted this to a, a close person of mine, and I'll admit it on the podcast just for entertainment purposes. By the way, this conversation is not for casual fans as well. If you're a casual fan and we said that uh, Tatum and, and Kuz are, are on the same level at one point in their career, this, not, this conversation is not for you. If you if you watch this sport and you watch this and evaluate like we did, of course, it was more it was it was a closer debate there. You know, I don't mean to spend too much time yeah. on this, but I will say this that Tatum is one of my guilty pleasures in the league to watch. I think he has one of the smoothest games in the league. I enjoy watching yeah. Tatum. I know he's a Celtic and I'm a Laker fan, but I do marvel. And not only that, it's just just his development from the start of his rookie year to now, you know, it's just like, it's just crazy how he gets better every year. And I feel like there's no weakness in his offensive game at this point. So, I mean, I'm, I just had to say that. And I hope you guys don't scrutinize me for saying it. <laughs> no, there's nothing to scrutinize. With if that. you're a fan of the sport, you're going to love yeah. his game, you know. Yeah, but definitely. Anyway, let's move on. We spent a lot of time on that, but an interesting conversation as we point out. But uh, we'll get into this uh, NBA All-Star game. And I guess before we get into the reserves that we pick out, I guess we should just discuss out the gate, should there be an All-Star game? Because at one point, the All-Star game was in question by the league. And ultimately, I guess the NBA, whatever the player association got with the league, and they said they're going to have it. And it's going to be in Atlanta. And it's going to be in March. I mean, what do you guys think? Should this game be taking place with all of the games that's been canceled in the NBA, with all of the games that, you know, with all of the – you had KD in the middle of a game, in the middle of a game, get called to the bench, and they told him he could not go back into the game because they felt – because of safety protocols, quote-unquote. But now you're having an NBA All-Star game. What are you guys' thoughts on that? 
Yeah, I don't think we should have it. Honestly, I think, you know, I know it's for the fans and for the money, but really, you know, I think these players, what they go through day in and day out with the testing and the different protocols, the mask and traveling around and the risk that they already taken for playing this game day in and day out. I think this is the one year, yeah, you name your starters and name your all-stars and that could be fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm me personally, I think, you know, they should have been allowed to to be to rest. These all-stars should be allowed to rest a week, you know, get time with their families and stuff, retool and then get ready to go. Because guess what? Yeah, there's only a select, the best of the best players playing. But all these other players that didn't make the All-Star game, they're going to go. I mean, I know this is every year, but they're going to go home and, you know, be, not be around, you know, a bunch of other people and different players coming from different cities and things like that. You know, you're literally putting all these players in one spot, coming from different spots. You know, it's like it's just not a, not a smart move because if things go crazy, you take out all your All-Stars, you know what I'm saying? And then – what the league going to do then shut down for two weeks. And, you know, was it really worth it? One game was really worth it. So again, I don't think the risk is worth it. You know, again, it's one game, it's three point contest. I don't even know if they're going to do a three point or the dunk contest, but I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, no, I co-sign on everything you just said. I honestly don't think it's worth it. Um, as you mentioned, I know the NBA tries to sell it as, Hey, this is for the fans. But the second point that you mentioned about it being a money thing, that's the whole reason that this is happening. They're not really caring about the fans, honestly, with this decision. It's a straight money grab. And like you mentioned, if something goes wrong out there and you have all these guys um, that are in that one little area and it spreads there, like you said, you're going to have your stars that are potentially missing for weeks or something like that. And so, honestly, it's not the smart move, the wise move. It's, it's a money move for the league. And we understand that it's a money move. But for my vote, I would say no. Nah. Well, it's not too many times that I disagree with you guys, quote unquote, <laughs> but I agree. I mean, I don't think this game should be taking place. And it's for the reasons that you guys mentioned. I will say this, is that just think about it. If you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, your guys are crazy. It's guys that when there wasn't a COVID situation or wasn't illness that wanted to, I guess, at least shorten the All-Star weekend so they would have time to break during the game. So now that you bringing in all this COVID and protocols and games are being postponed, I mean, I think the NBA is looking very hypocritical. Uh, we've been very complimentary of the NBA and how they handled this whole COVID situation with the bubble and, you know, how they shut down the league. But I think that this is one of the instances where I can say that Adam Silver may have took a misstep here. And I think that they should reconsider having this. But it looks like it's going to be a thing. So being that it's going to be a thing, we have to transition into these reserves. The starters have been named. Um, should I name the starters for the All-Star game? or what? Respectfully, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Let me, let me get – let me pull it up. Let me pull it up here. I probably could guess it, but – I mean, you want to – I'll say talk. this, though. I mean, you can pull it up, but once you say it, the East is stacked, man. <laughs> the East is looking <laughs> nasty, bro, compared uh, to the West, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I will and, – and, and that's like – and I, I will say that that's like one of the, the blaring differences. I mean, it, it's getting it's getting weird because, I mean, for years and a decade, we, we would say the East 
I mean, the West was significantly better than the East, but I mean, it's getting close. I guess people trying to rally around and, and, you know, try to kind of catch up with LeBron, but uh, let's, let's get into these starters though. Um, Eastern conference starters. We got uh, Kevin Durant, of course, uh, Giannis, we got Embiid, Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving. I have no, I have no rebuttals to that. We can move on to the next. No, no, no start is nasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can we can just move on here, and then we got the Western Conference, which is a little. I have issues with it. We'll get into it. I have we have as a starters for the Western Conference. We got Stephen Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard. So mm-hmm. I mean, y'all have y'all gonna let me go on this limb by myself. No, I mean, I, I know probably the one you about to mention, but I didn't want to steal yeah. your thunder. With, yeah. So I <laughs> yeah, just I mean, let you go. Luca, I have an issue with. I do have an issue with him being, because from what I understand, there was a tie between Luca and Dame. And ultimately, the fan vote determined that Luca would be in the All-Star game. Now, as a fan of the sport and a student of the game, um, I have an issue with that. Now, if it's a popularity contest and you feel as though, you know, Luca is more of the bigger name, I could understand that. But if you look at the if you look at the impact Dame has had, you know, like we mentioned it early in the pod, I, ironically, the impact that Dame has had and has kept the Blazers in the thick of things despite the injuries to Nurkic, who's their big man, who's their starting big man. And the you know when you think about the the injury to his running mate CJ McCollum who's having CJ McCollum is probably having the best season that I don't even know where the ceiling was for the type of season that he was having number wise I just feel as though Dame was more deserving of it than Luka Doncic here. Yeah, I mean what I don't I, I mean again I know Luka right now is the hot name right. He's a hot name and the things that he's done and, you know, being a, a foreigner and things like that. And Dame has always been that underrated, you know, not talked about guy, you know, since he – I remember the time when we – he couldn't even make the All-Star game and he was putting up numbers and we were talking about that and he was upset. And then he'll be like a last minute, somebody get hurt or fall out, he'll be able to get in. I remember those times, you know what I'm saying? Like this has been Dame's whole career. You know, and you, I remember a time when Dame in the bubble last year, he hit a huge shot. I forgot who they were playing. I think it was like Denver. I don't, I don't remember. But, you know, he said, put some respect on my name. You know, like he, this has been him. He's always been doubted. You know, and he just overcame. This is part of him and part of his motivation. So, you know, I, I don't know. Again, I don't think I don't agree with it. It's just looking at the records alone, right? You look at the records, you got mm-hmm. obviously – the Blazers at the fifth seed right now, 18 and 12. You know what I'm saying? And you got Dallas, who's not even a 500 team right now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you talk about putting him in over Luka. Like, I don't – again, the fan vote is what pushed it. I get it. But even those voters initially should have – it should have went Dame's way. It shouldn't even went down to the fans, in my Yeah, opinion. well, it will be argued that even in, all, even in this tiebreaker, the player on the – the team that has the better record would take it. That's what I would think logically. But go ahead, jump in, Ramon. Uh, well, what I would say is the NBA has to – first of all, I agree that Dame should be in the game. 
but as far as being a starter in the game. But the NBA has to stay on brand. If they're going to push that this is a game about the fans, which is what they're trying to sell us on, then ultimately as the NBA, if your tiebreaker comes down to a fan vote, that's honestly where it should lie if this is supposed to be, quote, unquote, about the fans. So I agree that personally, I believe that Dame deserves it over Luka. I believe that he's having a more impactful season. Me as a personal person voting, I would go Dame. But then you also, too, have to look at international effect. We know for some years as Lakers fans, we saw as soon as Yao Ming came into the league, he was starting the All-Star game over Shaq because of the international votes that he was getting. Um, And so you even have to look at that in the totality of this. So I'm not trying to necessarily make a case that Lucas should be the one starting. I don't believe that way. But if the NBA is going to present this as, hey, this is a game for the fans, then, you know, the tiebreaker coming down to a fan vote, I don't see the issue with it if that's what they're going to try to present. It should have never, never got to a fan vote, in my opinion. But yeah, Well, but this is how these things have been driven, honestly, in the past. I mean, that's why you see LeBron being the team captain and you see KD being the team captain because they led in fan votes. Yeah. And uh, after after two years of Giannis being the captain, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, I think we collectively agree. It, it it just it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. And I know I'm a huge Dame fan, but it, it I, as a fan of the sport, it does question the integrity of the game. I mean, if we're talking impact of a season and, and performance and you want us to watch these quote unquote meaningless regular season games, but every game really means something, you know, and Dame is operating in a system in a, in a, in a league that every game really matters to him, especially with his best, some of his best players injured. But either way, uh, who you guys expect, like which guys you think are, are deserving of the, of the reserve spot? Um, I'd think definitely Julius Randle. You know, that's a former Laker. I've always been a fan of Julius. And he was a guy I wasn't understanding why we didn't um didn't hold on to him when we grab when we got LeBron. You know, why didn't we keep him? We decided to let him walk, you know, under the toolage and under the decision making of Magic Johnson. You know, so I, I, I understand why we did that. Slide but, that in there real <laughs> But I will say that um you know, he, he's been balling out with New York, and he is much deserving of it. You know, some would even argue that, you know, he's in the conversation of start of the numbers and some of the things he's been doing with New York. Yeah, he's a walking triple-double, man. Man, he, he is just really just – again, nobody really put his game to be where his game is at right now. You know, he's he, – I, I, I think we should get credit for that as Lakers fans. We – I mean, I, I remember us having talked some of ourselves. We was like, man, this dude could be a walking triple-double. Like – Right. You know, this dude right. really can do it all, you know, right. but he, I guess he couldn't, he didn't have the opportunity to put it all together. He didn't have the opportunity and he was never consistent. You know, he would show flashes. He would put up games. We all know what happened his first year. You know, he went out with the injury really yeah, before the his rookie blow, season. The game. Right, right. Really before his rookie season got going. You know, he was one of those players that got to watch Kobe, you know, in his last years, you know, day in and day out play you know, and training. So it really doesn't surprise me, you know, where he's at in his game and what he's doing with New York. You know, it's just – it's it's 
spectacular, and I think he's much deserving, man. Yeah, just to add on to that, I mean, he's been interviewed a couple times, and you hear him say that when the season got shut down, there were guys that just took took it as like, oh, okay, I'm off. Like teams that weren't competing, teams that weren't going to get invited to the bubble. But he said that he took it upon himself. He started – he just started working out. And it's quite apparent that he worked hard and showed the passion for the game because his game is taking another level. I don't see many weaknesses in his game right now. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, just a little side note, too, to what you were talking about with him leaving us. I know you don't always give a player exactly what they want, but uh, he wanted to leave once LeBron came. Uh, so it was a part of a part of that too. So where 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 is that? Where is that written down? Man? Hey, what's your source, man? Go go look it up. I'm telling you, listeners, go look it up. You go search it. You'll go and see that there's a lot of stuff out there. I remember us movie. not we we had a tender or something on him, and then we re- let the tender go, and he left. I remember that being the case. Yeah, it, it was like part we, of his we, request. I mean, I, I don't know about that. You know, I don't. I didn't get that email, man. <laughs> okay, I got you. But but uh, to go on to move on to somebody else, definitely glad that Randall got in there. Uh, this is a guy that, of course, we put as our player of the week this week, Zach Levine. That uh, it was obvious that this oh, year yeah. uh, he had to make the All Star team with the way that he's been playing. Not just the numbers that he's been putting up, but the the way that he's been so efficient this year as well. I mean, averaging over 28, almost 29, uh, five and five, but doing it on almost 52% shooting. Uh, he's been playing out of his mind, has the Bulls in that eighth seed. Uh, I'll give you a little credit for that, Rob, for you having them uh, in your playoff picture before the year started. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but he's definitely somebody that had to be in that all-star game, definitely. Yeah, he's taking, like Lowe said, taking leaps and bounds. Speaking of that, I mean, that guy has continuously improved um, from night to night, and he's the clear leader in Chicago. And, I mean, he's putting together a great season, and I I think that he's well-deserving of of a reserve uh, position in the All-Star game, no doubt. Um. So I mean, let's let's we talk. We're being very optimistic here. If there's not, if there aren't any guys that you're saying that are deserving after reserves announced, I think that it's time for us to talk about the snubs. Um, I guess I inadvertently or ironically, that would mean that one of these reserves that are listed aren't deserving because the snub would replace them. But I mean, for fun's sake, I mean, what what do, what guys do you think got snubbed? Give the reason and a passionate case of why they should have been a reserve in this All-Star game. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team, right? I mean, again, you look at the Suns and where they're at, right, in the standings. The Suns have really improved and become a playoff team this year. And arguably, their best player, you know, we you know Chris Paul is towards the end of his career. But arguably, their best player right now is not going to be on the first initial uh, voting to be a, an all-star for this game, which doesn't, to me, doesn't make sense. You know, I think he was a player that had to be on that all-star game and Devin Booker. Um, I would say to go along, and I, I 100% agree with that. I definitely think Devin Booker should be on the team. He's one of the best players out there. Uh, the guy that I would mention is Tobias Harris. And I mentioned Tobias Harris for this reason. First of all, you know, of course, Philly, leading the East uh, right now. 
we've seen times where they've had, you know, multiple All-Stars, three and four coming from a team, but not even totally just advocating that. Y'all might kind of kill me for this, but to me, Tobias Harris has been Philly's second best player this year. I know that Ben has come along recently and started playing better, but to me, for the totality of the season, from a consistency standpoint, I believe that Tobias Harris has been their second best player uh, throughout the year. And so that's just my personal opinion of why I think that he should be on the team. Okay, so I'm just not going to let you speed by. I'm not, I'm not mad at that, Ramon. No, and I'm down with it, I'm down with it, Wait, I'm going to let you not going to speed past that. I'm not trying One, to I want to say that. it's two different arguments. He's been their, probably their second best scorer. But as far as player and what Ben Simmons has been doing defensively, and handling the ball and setting up that team, you know, maybe he's not the scorer that Tobias is. I get that. Tobias, I'm not arguing, has been their second best scorer on that team. But as far as player, I just think what Ben Simmons gives you, guarding the best player on the other team, the best ball handler on the other team day in and day out, whether they are small forward, a shooting guard, or a point guard day in and day out, and then controlling and setting up that team. When we talking about walking triple doubles, he is one of those teams that flirt, one of those players that flirt with that every night. I just can't get that to the bias yet. To me, he's still more so a scorer than anything. You know, and we seen that in our matchup against the Lakers when he downed us and scored and pretty much closed the game out on us. But I, I, again, I'm not taking away from his game. He does do a lot for that team. But I think Ben Simmons does more, and I think that to me. What he does on a defensive end puts him a little bit more past what Tobias had. That's just me. Yeah, and, and I, I can I'm, see it. Hey, I, I'm not see. mad at the, the Tobias and Ben argument. I think it's tomato tomato at this point. Uh, I mean, ability or rewarding like actually numbers. I mean, Tobias been balling, you know. So I, I don't know. I'm not mad at either one of you guys for y'all takes there. Uh, I'm not sure if they're if there are any, like, I would say snubs as far as All-Stars on my end, uh, really, honestly. Uh, I mean, I think that uh, maybe uh, – How do you feel about Trey Young? Trey Young, I, I, that's what I was about to say. I, I don't – at this point, I don't I don't feel like Trey Young – he's great. I, I like him a lot, but I don't like him over the – I don't like him over the Eastern Reserves. I mean, who are you going to put him over? I mean, you're not going to put him over Ben Simmons. Are you going to put him over Vujicic? I mean, Jalen Brown may – to me, Jalen Brown should be starting this game. Okay, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe the league should ex- look into expanding it to 15 players like the regular roster. I don't know, but – I don't know. I'm not, I'm okay with it, man. I'm comfortable with it. I'm comfortable with it. I think the only thing that that may be in question is like Ramon pointed out was the Tobias and Ben Simmons thing because Ben has had a very up and down year, and I think that he's recently has come on. Maybe that will continue, but Tobias has been he's been having a, a quiet, great season, and nobody's talking about it. And honestly, there could have been potentially room for three of them on that team. So maybe you don't have to do it to where it's just either or. I mean, we've seen teams in the past that are leading the conference that get three guys in. We've seen it as much as four. And obviously, I'm not advocating for four. But, you know, I just believe that there could have been some room out there, you know, for Tobias. But every year that you see this, no matter what, even 
Even if somebody they were expanded to, yeah, if they were expanded to fifteen, you will still be talking about somebody being snubbed from that. So it's just gonna be an epic. Right, reminds me of the college playoffs <laughs> we had at the bite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get into. I know Ramon be itching to get into this, man. We about to let this man have a floor. Uh, the we let Carlos have a floor with his Rams with the Matthew Stafford trade. Uh, my Saints have had the floor with deciding who's going to be our future quarterback, whether it's going to be Winston. Is Drew Brees going to retire? But now we have the news that Carson Wentz has been traded to your Indiana Colts. I want to hear your full QB. <laughs> I want to hear QB your full evaluation of this. I'll give my 10 cents as well yeah. as Lowe's, but Mainly, you had a floor. First, tell the listeners what was the trade, right. what 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 took place, and then give your thoughts on it. QB one. Okay, <laughs> right. So, of course, there was a deal that went down. Of course, between the Colts and the Eagles, the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles, in which Carson Wentz uh, was sent to Indy in exchange for a third round pick in the 2021 draft and a second round, like a conditional second round pick in 2022. That does become a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays at least 75% of the snaps. Um, and so, honestly, for the Colts, if this deal is supposed to work, then really you will be giving up a third and a first if you envision it truly working. Um, with the deal just going into it, I do think that, honestly, for us as an organization, it was a move that we needed to make. Uh, just looking at things realistically, we missed out on Matthew Stafford, which that's, of course, I mean, he went to Lowe's team, the Rams, and and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's who I wanted. So I'm not about to sit here and say, oh, we got Wentz now, and I, I wasn't looking for Stafford. Stafford was initially the guy that I wanted. As it relates to options that we have out there, Deshaun Watson, that's a pipe dream. They won't trade him within that division. I just really don't see that happening. So when you start to look at options that you have out there, and you have a guy who can be paired again once again with his former offensive coordinator and Frank Reich, who is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. When you pair him with one of his former QB coaches as well, um, he's the guy that still has a chance to be rehabbed, a guy that has a chance to get back to what he once was. But even as I said, the day that the news broke, I know that Lowe saw my tweets and you probably saw them as well. I'm not about to get on the podcast and make this big speech about how I feel that Carson Wentz is about to lead us to a Super Bowl and he's about to be an MVP candidate from day one and he's going straight to the Pro Bowl. I'm not one of those kind of fans. Do I believe that there's potential out there for him to rehab, for him to get back to a place of close to what he was in Philly if he gets his mind right? I do believe that is the case, but he hasn't shown that to me yet. And honestly, last year, he showed me one of the worst seasons that you could potentially have as a starting QB. So I'm going to go off of the facts that I've been presented. I do go in cautiously optimistic. Am I hoping for him to become that MVP candidate again? Yes, I'm hoping for that. Do I believe that there are still some physical tools that are still there? But as we know, things have to get better for Carson Wentz mentally. Um QB is the position that we've basically been missing as a team. We have things in place from a defensive perspective. We have a, a run game that can be a top five run game in the league. 
we're solid offensive line wise we have the young running back you know we have receivers you know and so basically that QB position is what we're really missing as an organization so it's a risk that's to me worth taking um I'm not 100% to say that it's going to work out but I do hope that it works hey one thing before Lowe's jump in here what do you think about Michael Pittman saying he's not giving up number 11 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey <laughs> man right he ultimately man i it's, michael Pittman has been balling out though so man, I mean, his, that's, t- his that's target about to be sub-zero yeah, this right season. i know i'm not touching him on my fantasy team in a redraft league definitely yeah i ultimately i think it may be like a money exchange that'll go down where it'll be like okay i'm gonna I'm give you this amount of money you know for it but but he said there's no amount of money that would do it though yeah We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, uh, just jumping in there, I would say such a calculated move for the coach. Such a great calculated move for the coach. Y'all gave up little to nothing if he turns out to be your franchise guy. You know, if he does not turn out to be your franchise guy, y'all gave up a second and a third. You know what I'm saying? So, okay, your teams can recover from that. Your, Your team is not set back by any means when that happens. So, I would look at it as like you mentioned, all the things you mentioned, that officer line, that was something he was missing with the Eagles. He didn't have that great officer line. He had a subpar running game. You know, his weapons were diminishing, young, hurt. You know what I'm saying? He didn't have all those things. And as you mentioned, the, the key thing to this is him getting in a place where he feels wanted. You know, him and the, the, your head coach, you know, um, what's his name? Frank, right? Frank, right. Yeah, Frank. So him, them, him bringing it, coming in in the league together, I think that is the key part. You know what I'm saying? He knows that this coach, they have a connection and that he's going to work hard for this coach. He hasn't really been the same since that coach left. You know, now you go and get back with this coach, I think you're going to see shades of the old Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz still has the juice. You know what I'm saying? I think he still has the juice. And I remember him coming out when the debate was who are the Rams going to draft Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, when the Rams traded all the way up from like the 15th pick to the first overall pick, there were talks about him being out um, at dinner with his girlfriend, and he's reading plays under the table, you know, on his on his phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is still that guy that loves the game. I think he just needed – I think the situation with them drafting the quarterback in the second round, he saw the writing on the wall with the Eagles. The situation where he lost his – pretty much his – his, his main guy go to the Colts, you know, all he saw all these things kind of happening around him that he just wasn't there mentally. He knew that this team is not here for me. No matter how good I am, they got this guy behind me. I'm looking on my shoulder. Like I supposed to be your franchise guy that's playing in the MVP season. And you guys are already like ready to move on from it. I think that messed him up. I think now that he has that comfort level, nobody really that's going to, I don't see you guys bringing in somebody that's going to, be like a Jalen Hurts to him behind him, like, oh, just in case this doesn't work out. I think y'all going to say, hey, this is your team. We trust you. And I think he's going to perform. You know, I think you one thing y'all have, another thing that y'all have is cap space. Y'all can bring in weapons. That One thing y'all did over the years is just continually save up that cap space and y'all have cap space to go out and put more weapons around him. So I like the move. I think it was well calculated. Yeah, I agree. I agree with both of you. I think y'all covered it super well. Um, I think y'all could be of the future potentially. And um, I mean, I think, you know, I think the Colts were, they're ready to compete now. 
And uh, Philip Rivers really proved that. Y'all are ready to compete now. Y'all, y'all are just one QB away. Uh, Jonathan Taylor came up, came on late, which is huge for you guys. Huge, huge, huge. And I think that he'll take another leap this year. So, you know, I, I think it's an opportunity for uh, Wentz to get his get his confidence back. But I mean, like Lowe said, I mean, he was uh, a, a MVP candidate a couple of years ago. So, uh, I mean, I'm. You know, I'm not gonna say that I'm happy for you guys, but y'all definitely made <laughs> y'all definitely made the right move. Uh, y'all definitely have taken a, a step forward in the AFC um, as far as competing, and I'm interested to see where Deshaun goes. Uh, at this point, I don't know. I don't think Houston's gonna trade him for real. I thought they was playing at first, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I think that's that's it. That's a wrap. I mean, I want to send out prayers that we all do to Tiger Woods, who's in. Breaking news, he was involved in a one-vehicle wreck. Uh, I, I think the, the he actually tumbled. I'm seeing reports that he's had he's had in surgery and, and had surgery. So, he actually definitely want to send prayers out to Tiger Woods and hopefully for a speedy recovery. Um, I don't know if y'all want to speak on that any more than that, but uh, definitely our thoughts and prayers are with him. Um, uh, and hopefully that, you know, hopefully, you know, he's able to shake back and, return back to form as well but uh that i mean that's about it i mean i don't think i have anything else i mean i think we could mention the back end cam newton he was heckled over the weekend uh, i'm gonna let ramon speak on this and then we're gonna head on out yeah so of course it was at uh his camp actually and uh there's a uh, a recording that's out there that pretty much anybody can see. You just go to social media and type in Cam Newton with his high schooler is going back and forth with him and essentially heckling him and talking about, you know, Cam being a free agent. You know, you're a free agent, huh? You're a free agent. And um, so it's gotten a lot of publicity because this kid is at Cam's camp, yet he's going at Cam Newton. Um, and it really, to me, ultimately was a bad look for the kid. Uh, he since come out and apologized uh, because really of the public pressure and he knows how it's looking. And, um, you know, he's also trying to make it to the next level. So it's just been one of those situations that uh, has definitely gotten a lot of buzz. You did see Cam kind of go a little bit back and forth and Cam even making a statement after uh, the fact too as well. So it's been something that's kind of been buzzing at this point And it's been having a lot of people saying that, hey, when you get those moments and those opportunities as a high schooler to have a chance to even tap into or be around a professional player or somebody that has been or is where you're trying to get, that's not the moment to let your competitive juices start flowing and for you to go back and forward and, and to start to get disrespectful in that way. So that's pretty much kind of the landscape of it. And I know that we've all kind of had our thoughts about it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing about it I will say is that he's not making it easy for himself because a, a, a great player like Cam, former NFL MVP, uh, leading passer, leading rusher with the Panthers, I mean, he probably have a lot of connections. Yeah. So, I mean, you could potentially see yourself as an up-and-coming high school athlete, be blackballed in, in a way in the industry. So, I, I just feel like he, he, he was being immature and, and I think we all know someone like that, like Los, me and him talked about. Like, we all know, we all grew up with somebody like that kid, you know. I just think he just had some growing up to do. And I, I think that implications of what are maybe the uh, repercussions of what he's done uh, will 
will dictate his future. I mean, unfortunately, I think that, you know, his name is out there now. Unfortunately, we're not saying it here because he, he's a kid. But, you know, his name is out there now. And, you know, I think that, you know, he could be potentially blackballed but by how you treat uh, NFL great. I mean, Cam Matt is not the Cam Vole, but Cam did his thing. A 10-year career, I mean, he had a 10-year NFL career that some quarterbacks would pray for. So, I think he was out of bounds. And then you think about Cam being a millionaire and actually spending time out to bring up the next generation of football players. I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's a time and a place, I think, you know. And and unfortunately, in this social media era, and, you know, everybody has a camera on their phone, these types of moments will be captured, you know. So, I mean, that's my spirit on it. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. And at the end of the day, man, that man – has been is still you know where ultimately you looking to be so to to come oh, out yeah. and try to disrespect him or trash talk or anything like you haven't proven yeah. anything yet and he's already proven enough so there's no room for trash talk there and any room to be disrespectful in any manner yeah yeah i wish a young heckler would would, would uh would heckler us on our podcast man <laughs> y'all we were y'all trying to be <laughs> right <laughs> now nah, i'm joking but hey Look, man, it's been fun. We're going to get on here, get out of here. If you've lasted this long, we appreciate you for listening. Make sure that you follow us on O underscore Benchwarmers. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. You can simply search Opinionated Benchwarmers on any platform that you like to listen to your podcast on, and we'll pop up. And just go ahead and subscribe. Uh, leave a review. Even if you don't type out a review, just write it, you know, five stars if you enjoyed it. And make sure that you're sharing this with your fellow sports friend. We're going to go ahead and get out on here. Until next time, we'll be back with another edition. But until now, we're going to head on out. All right. Later. Later.